Welcome to the Business Chef Podcast, where we learn from the best about the business side of the food service industry. Do you make food? Then let us help you make money doing Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org. Why, hello there, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is going to be a little bit of a fun one for me. I hope it's going to be insightful and helpful for you. But importantly, it's going to be fun for me. So without further ado, let's talk a little bit about your questions now. I know that this is a little bit different. This is a departure from our normal way of doing things. And some of you may or may not be super excited to hear from me. And, uh, and that's okay. I get it. But, uh, but yeah, I am going to be talking to you a little bit during this time. And I'm going to be answering some questions. So... This is going to be our first show actually doing this. I know I put the word out a few weeks ago and said, hey, we're going to be doing this. But uh, it seems to be semi-helpful because I am surprised actually by the amount of questions that we got. I was kind of thinking we'd get a few. Uh, I didn't realize that we would get as many as we did. And I also didn't realize how many of them would be the same. But that's a good thing because that helps me kind of whittle it down. Now, they weren't necessarily all the same wording and the same uh, same things per se, but they were kind of the same concepts. Now, I think it's fitting that our first question is uh, is more of a business question when it comes to food. And I think this is something... When in, in some discussions with some, some colleagues of mine, I think this is one of the ones that I think we needed to address because it did come up in multiple ways. Um, I am going to shout out to a, a listener and to somebody who is uh, supportive of the show and, and send in a question, and that is uh, someone over on the East Coast... So for all of you East Coast fans out there and people listening over there, then you can uh, you can stop in and maybe support support him. Uh, he is a good guy. He runs the Soka or Soka Eatery. Um, his name is Jason Brown. So if you want to check him out on Instagram, he is over at S-O-C-A Eatery, E-A-T-E-R-Y. And uh, he is a chef and owner. His profile says he's also a lover of food, watches, and travel in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. So shout out to Mr. Jason Brown for this question, which, again, is a lot like a lot of questions that we got. So... Chef Jason says, Hey, my name is Jason and I'm a chef in North Carolina. I have a question. I've never been taught thoroughly about budgeting and forecasting. 
any pointers for someone like me? Thanks. Okay, again, few questions like this, not all of them the same per se, verbiage-wise, but same conceptually. Here's where we separate the men from the boys. Here is where we go from pro to amateur, somewhat quickly at times. Um, really what it is, is this is where we have the opportunity to really do something great um, when it comes to our businesses. And when I say, uh, or, and when I say that, here's what I'm referring to. It is one thing to be able to make food and it's one thing to be able to execute at a high level. It's another thing to be able to make money and to be able to do those things consistently. So budgeting and forecasting are going to be kind of at the heart of that. These are two skills that are uh, interconnected, that are also uh, something that's absolutely crucial, especially for those of you who are running multi-units, who are running businesses year after year and want to really be able to anticipate need. When it comes to, and and I'm going to separate it out a little bit, um, I'm going to... I'm going to address one and then the other and both of them kind of together. So when it comes to budgeting, let's talk about budgeting a little bit. Um, Budgeting and forecasting go together because you're always kind of guessing who is going to come through your doors, whether that's in a restaurant or uh, in a hotel or any type of retail scenario. You want to make sure you have enough of something, but not too much. You want to make sure that you have the, the items that are going to sell and, and not run out. I mean, that's kind of the basis of this. So with that said, I know it sounds like I'm kind of talking around this, but I'm kind of trying to set this up a little bit so that everybody can understand and I can kind of address all these, these things at the same time. When it comes to forecasting, you really are guessing. Now, it's one thing to, to be able to, to forecast or to guess from an educated perspective or in uh, your hypothesis, your educated guess. So what you're doing with forecasting, is, and, and this is what I kind of suggest to everyone, it, it kind of comes in threes. So when I'm forecasting for something, I want to look at three of something. I want to look at either the last three weeks or three days or three months or three years. I want to, I want to get a good kind of decent average. And I think for me, I've always gotten a, a, a better or more accurate picture by working in threes. So if I say, for example, I wonder what kind of sales we're going to do on Labor Day. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to, if I have prior history, I'm going to go to to that. I'm going to go back to what I did last year and the year before and the year before that. And I'm going to get kind of an average. If I notice an upward trend on Labor Day, uh, meaning that I did... 5,000 the first year, 6,000 the next, 6,500 the one after that. 
chances are I can anticipate a potential increase this year. So maybe I plan for 6,800 or 7,000, but I kind of, but I know that that's going to be kind of the trend. Now, it could be that maybe your sales decline a little bit. Maybe you go 5,000 and then you go 4,500 and then maybe you jump up to 5,500. Chances are you can forecast for probably right around that $5,000 number and just uh, just get an idea there. So really what it comes down to is you are guessing when it comes to forecasting, but trying, my, my suggestion is to try to do it in threes. Try to look at either last three years, last three weeks, if you're in trying to anticipate like a Friday night, it's always good to look at what you've done the last three Friday nights in addition to what you did the prior year. Now, you have to take certain things into into account. Um, you have to kind of look at, was, was the prior year a holiday weekend? Um, was there a special event in town? You know, those, those kind of factors definitely affect the, uh, the business. And, and so it's nice to be able to not only have numbers, but have some sort of notes too. And that's the importance of record keeping. So it, it kind of seems backwards with forecasting. We're looking into the future and we have to look at the past to look at the future. But that, that really is kind of the best way to, to forecast is by looking at what you've done in the past to anticipate the future. So hopefully that answers a little bit of that. Now when it comes to budgeting, essentially we forecast to budget because, again, we don't want to run out of food, and that is the cardinal sin. I think we can pretty much all agree with that. Um, but we also don't want to have so much inventory on hand that we're, we're stuck or that we have to throw things away or, or any number of, of challenges there. So with that said, when it comes to budgeting, you really have to establish, you have to establish your standards or your benchmarks. So if I want to hit a 25 or a 30% food cost, then I have to, I have to budget to be able to do that. Meaning that if I anticipate or I forecast my sales to be $5,000 on a Friday night or a Friday, you know, maybe it's a smaller place and you're doing 5000 that week. If I'm anticipating that kind of sales, that means that my budget number is going to come in, say, I'm, I'm anticipating $4,000 for the next four days. And... I want to run a 25% food cost. Well, for sake of ease, that means that I can't spend more than $1,000 on food. I know that's a very basic, very simple example, but that is one way of budgeting and forecasting. Um, another way of, of really doing it is, again, trying to trying to really look at your business and taking a good, hard, in-depth look at what it is that you sell, what it is that you charge, what, and what the market will bear. Here's one thing I always tell clients, and I actually just had this conversation the other day. The question comes up, what do we charge? Okay, 
way too broad of a question. I mean, holy smokes, what do we charge? Like, there's so many things that go into that. Well, here's here's how you basically do that. It's it's basic macro and microeconomics. What do we charge? The answer is what the market will bear. So instead of saying, well, I want to hit a 30% food cost, so I got to make sure that all of my food items are priced in a way that allow me to hit a 30% food cost, which means they've all got to be 30% or below, right? Or I've got to have some at 35% and some at 25%, you know, and they've got to average out at 30%. I mean, that's all well and good, and that is one way you can do that, but most of the time you're probably leaving money on the table. So I'll give you an example. Let's talk about beverages for a, sm- a second because, man, there is money in beverages. And here's why there's money in beverages. Anybody can do the math and say, I'm paying how many cents for a cup and how many ounces of, of uh, sugar syrup and, and water and Holy smokes, I've got these, you know, this fountain drink that all of a sudden I can sell for, you know, two bucks and, uh, and it's costing me 10 or 12 cents. Well, if you use that model of trying to do a 30% food cost on that, good night, you'd be charging a quarter for a drink that you should be getting $2 for. And that's, that just goes to show you the importance of doing a comparative analysis in your market. So when it comes to that budgeting and forecasting piece of being able to say, what do I charge? Well, what you charge is what the market will bear. And how do you know what the market will bear? You look at what other people are doing. Coming from chains, I've worked in multiple multi-units. A lot of times, you're not, you're not just sitting there in a vacuum. You're not just thinking up ways to to do things better than your competition. You're figuring out what your competition's doing and you're copying them a lot of times. I mean, just straight, flat out. If it's working for the goose, you're going to try to make it work for the gander. And you're going to basically steal, beg, and borrow ideas that, um, you know, maybe... (laughs) <laughs> maybe you see it as, as uh, not being authentic or maybe you see it as not being creative or maybe you see it as being um, being something that you, you shouldn't do or that uh, you're cheating or, or whatever things. But everybody does it. Everybody looks at everybody else. I mean, where do we get most of our ideas for things? We go out to eat. We go to other places. We... we uh, interact with other chefs, we get ideas, we bounce them off each other. And that's that's the beauty of this business. That's part of the beauty of this business is we are so interconnected, whether we're food distributors or food brokers or equipment dealers or equipment reps or we're chefs or front of the house people or directors or multi-units, I mean, uh, advisors, I mean, the consultants, there's just so many ways that we interact and and pieces of this business which is great and that's something that definitely brought me to this business and I know I digressed a little bit but budgeting and forecasting it as much as it is an art 
it's also very subjective. And at the end of the day, you try to get as close as you can by analyzing numbers of the past uh, to look towards the future. But you also, when it comes to pricing and it comes to budgeting, you have to you have to kind of step outside your comfort zone and you have to find out what other people are doing and what the market will bear. So I hope that answers some of those questions. If it does, or if it doesn't, please let me know, uh, Instagram or Facebook. You can send me a message. You can comment down below. I'm actually, and this kind of leads us into our next question, surprised at how many people will reach out and will ask a question and then the next thing they say is, please keep me anonymous. <laughs> please don't tell anybody I asked a question. It's like, okay. Um, most of the questions came via email. A few uh, came on direct messages from Instagram. And I had one come on, on Facebook. Apparently, people are not as interested in sending messages on Facebook or something. With that said, though, our next question comes from a person who wants to remain anonymous. Imagine that. Um, once, I, once I tell you the question, you'll probably understand why, and I think a lot of people feel this way. So it says, coming to question two, when do you know it's time to leave a job? I feel like I'm spinning my wheels here and getting nowhere, and no one appreciates me, but... It's like the best company to work for in the area, and, I, and I'm getting great resume points, so I don't know what to do. <sighs> well, I think you know when it's time to leave a job. I've, I've had those, those circumstances also where I have, I have just really felt like I was tapped out. I had learned everything that I could learn. I had done everything I wanted to do. I had met the people I wanted to meet. I had really accomplished everything I wanted to do in that job, in that position, with that company, whatever it was. And, and you know, things just started calling me. I, I had opportunities elsewhere or... I just felt a need to apply for a job or to talk to someone or any number of things that, that has happened. So it's just the short answer for me is I think you, I think you kind of know when it's time to move on, regardless of whether it's the best, best company or best situation. I think you really have to go with your gut. And if your gut is telling you to move on to something else, I think you should listen to that. So I am going to take this opportunity to involve a past guest also and some of the insights that they have decided to share. So this comes from Sarah Gartsman, who is Sarah of Robin Sarah in Salida, Colorado and they own multiple concepts they have lots of employees they've done lots of things Sari in particular has a background as a pastry chef so I kind of put this question out there to a few of our past guests and tried to get some insights and, and Sarah wrote back 
In regards to this question, she says, I feel like you know it's time to move on in your career when you have nothing left to learn from your chefs and superiors. The whole reason we become chefs is to learn and always create better food. So when there's nothing left, it's time to go. Also, another thing I've noticed personally is whenever I keep questioning if I should move on, it's the best sign that there's a bigger opportunity out there to grow into. Good luck. With that said, you know, again, this, this question came in a couple of forms. There were actually two questions. This is the one that I, I chose to kind of um, talk about or address. But there was another one that was very similar to this that, you know, again, people feeling stick, stuck in their careers, wanting to know how to move on, when to move on. And, and again, it's just so much of this is really going with your gut and figuring out what it is that you want or that you need and, and really going after it. I think too many times um, we're scared and we cut ourselves short because we think we're not good enough or we think we're not ready or we think that, you know, something's going to happen if we stay. And I, I think too often, too many people cut themselves short and they don't take a chance when they should take a chance. The last thing, and maybe I'm different from everyone out there. I don't think I'm that different though, because I've met a lot of people and I think a lot of people have very similar um, thoughts and feelings, but I think if we took more chances, I think that if we, if we really had an attitude that we were going to land on our feet and that we had an opportunity to take a chance and we should do that, then I think more of us would be happier, not only in our careers, but in our lives. I, I think that this life is just meant to be scary and uncomfortable in so many ways. And I think that those who are willing to be scared and uncomfortable are are also the people that get ahead faster. And so I think that as much as you can play it safe and as much as you, you want to, you know, work strategically and you want to, you want to do things in a systematic fashion and be very purposeful. And <laughs> this is not how life works. It's not how this, this business works. I, I've had too many, opportunities kind of just blow up in front of me when I thought everything was just hunky-dory. I thought everything was great. I thought this, this is going to last forever. I mean, there was a, there was a multi-unit that I worked with that I thought this is the end all be all. I am in the place I'm going to be for the next hundred years and okay, maybe not a hundred years, but I thought, man, this is, this is what I'm going to do and I'm, I'm going to be good at it and I love it. And it's going to be great. And a year down the road, everything changed. I mean, almost overnight. And so I had to take a chance and I kind of had to reinvent myself and I had to go out and, and figure it out again. But that's just what we do. We, we go out and we figure it out again and we take chances. Now, I know I, we're kind of coming to the end here and I, I, there were more questions and I think I'm going to save them for 
for uh, future shows and when we do this, but one of the things I really wanted to do is I wanted to not just put this show out there and say, here's your questions, here's some answers, congratulations. Um, I really wanted to like do something. So when it comes to the budgeting and forecasting thing, yeah, we've given you some ideas here, but part of what you can do is uh, really try to control the two biggest things, food and labor. Food and labor are our two biggest costs in food service. So I have put together a little bit of a, a schedule and a labor uh, tool, and I've made it somewhat generic. Uh, I just put it together in Excel, and I'm going to put it out there. So if you are interested in using it, um, I would be very interested to hear if it is, if it's working for you. Um, and if maybe there's some changes you need to make to it, um, to make it work for you better, but I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to put together some formulas in it and I'm just going to kind of leave it out there and you can go ahead and go onto the website. I'll have a link for it in there and, uh, and you can just go on there and download it and play with it. And hopefully it, it helps you. It's something that I'm going to, I'm going to kind of take it from a template that I use for um, some of my other customers, but I'll have uh, kind of multiple things in there that allow you to, um, to really set things up to where you can budget and forecast really effectively using it. Um, more so with your food and your labor and, and having employees. Uh, but I, I hope that that helps. And, uh, and Jason, my man Jason out in North Carolina, again, go follow him. He's a good guy, and he gave us uh, gave us that question, and he's kind of prompted that. So go thank Jason for putting this together if you like this tool and it works out well for you. Um, but uh, with that said, I think I'm going to wrap this up now. I think you've listened to me act long enough, and again, I hope that... Uh, <laughs> I hope you gain something from this. Um, but I also want to hear your feedback. I want to know if this is helpful or not. Because if it's helpful, we'll keep doing it. If it's not helpful, I'm not going to keep doing it. I'm just that kind of guy that if it's going to help and people enjoy it and people like it, we'll keep doing it. If they find it annoying or they don't like it or it's not helpful and they're turning it off, I don't need to sit here and talk to myself. I've got other things to do that are plenty more productive. So give us your feedback. Let us know if it's worthwhile. Let us know if we should keep going. And if so, send us some more questions and we will do our best to address them. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, or anyone who's interested in making food and money. And when you get a second, give us a review. It really helps us get the word out as well as letting us know how we're doing. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food, Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org.